<clears throat> good morning to you, and it is good to see you at this hour of worship that you're here with us. <clears throat> and if you are visiting with us, we're glad to have you here and invite you to come back to be with us as often as you can. Tonight, our children will be meeting from 5.30 to 7 as usual and um, putting some final touches on some music they've been learning. But they will not meet next Sunday night on Mother's Day, uh, knowing that some of you have some Mother's Day plans. The last Sunday night program for the spring semester will be May the 15th, two weeks from today. And on that night, there will be an end of semester party uh, for the children. So I hope they will be here for that. Our monthly Wednesday night supper is this coming week, May the 4th. Um, 5.30 in the social hall. Uh, we invite you to be present next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock for a special program that the children will be presenting uh, in the Family Life Center on a new stage which has been built for their performances. So that's next Sunday at uh, the 10 o'clock hour um, during the Sunday school time. We also next week will be offering the luminaries for the Relay for Life program. Uh, they may be purchased in honor of and in memory of various persons uh, as we join this community in participating in Relay for Life to do what we can to eradicate cancer uh, from the face of the earth. One of these days we will succeed in doing that with God's help. Uh, you're also invited to participate in the uh, weekend when we have the Relay for Life experience. I went out to the high school last year and could not believe the crowds of people that were there. It's just unbelievable. It looked like a fairground with all the people there. And it's a very meaningful time of prayer and remembrance and reflection as we remember those that we have uh, loved and lost and also as we celebrate those whose fight has been victorious over cancer um, as, as we remember these folks. So let's uh, participate well in that and make the folks know that Memorial is here and a part of all that they're doing. This is the day we're going to keep uh, Ann hopping back and forth, but uh, uh, she's in position now. We will say to you, let us begin our time together in worship.
Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, we've been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have an inheritance, inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Amen. standing let us affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only Son our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified dead buried. third day he rose from the dead he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Be seated, please. It's time we invite the children to come forward on the outside, if you will, to, to this area to join Marnie Dumas for a few moments of sharing. to church. Learn about God. What were you going to say? Same thing. What else? What else do you do at church while you're here? Do you play any? Some? Well, not in here, but yeah, you might play like in Sunday school, you might play some. You read the Bible some, right? You what? You pray, right? Those are some good reasons to come to church. What about you come to church sometimes because your parents come and you can't be home by yourself, can you? Right? So you got to come with them, right? So sometimes you just come with them. What about, do you ever take a, or you might used to have done this. You guys are a little bit older. But have you ever seen somebody take a nap, maybe while Mr. Arthur's talking? 
I know y'all don't do that anymore, but maybe when you were little, you might have done that, taking a nap. That's a good time, right? Yeah. Yeah, I could bring my little one in here. She'd probably take a nap while you're talking. Um, or maybe not. <laughs> but anyway, um, so those are some good reasons to come. Your reasons were a little better than mine, but that's what I came up with. It doesn't cost you much to come to church, does it? Maybe a quarter. Maybe you have to put a quarter in the plate every once in a while, right? Okay. So, but let's talk, let's listen. Jesus actually gave us a really good reason for coming to church. So let's listen to this story. It was the Sunday after Jesus was crucified, and his friends, they were called the disciples, okay? They had gathered together in a locked room. Why do you think they were in a locked room? Why do you think the door was locked? What do you think? So they wouldn't hear what they were saying. They were kind of scared, too. They were in a locked room because they were afraid. They were afraid that some of Jesus' enemies might try to find them, okay, and maybe not, not, not be so nice, all right? So even though the doors were locked, Jesus came in with them and stood with them. And when they saw him, they were very happy, right? Because they had just, yeah, right, he had just been crucified. So they saw him, and they were so excited about seeing him. One of the disciples named Thomas, he wasn't there with them while the others, when Jesus appeared to them, he wasn't with them. Not sure why he wasn't with them. He could have been fishing, right? He could have just not wanted to come. He might just wanted to stay home and get some sleep, right? So when the others saw Thomas later, they told him about what happened. They told him that Jesus appeared to them. But Thomas didn't believe them. He said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where those nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Okay, so he, was, he doubted what they had to say. So a week later, the disciples were hanging out again. Okay, they were in that house again. And Thomas was with them this time. And guess what happened? What do you think happened? Yeah, Jesus came again, right? He showed up again. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among him, among, among Thomas and all the, his friends. Jesus turned to Thomas and he said, Do you see my hands? Put your fingers here. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas didn't need to touch the wounds where the nails had been or put his hands into the side. He fell on his knees before Jesus and said, My Lord, my God. So what, what, do you think he believed or didn't believe? Yeah, he believed. So before Jesus returned to heaven with his father, he told those, those same men, the disciples, he told them that where two or more are gathered together in his name, he would be there with them. Okay? So how many people do you think are here today? Uh, a lot, thousands, hundreds, right? Yeah, a lot of people are here today. So do you think God is here with us? He said two or more. So you think there's more than two? Oh, yeah, definitely, right? So we got two, more than two. So each week we come together in his name to worship and praise him. He's going to show up. All right? So you think that's a good reason to come to church? Because he's here with us, right? Okay, so let's pray. And you guys can just pray with me, okay? You don't have to say anything. Dear Jesus, we have gathered together in your name today because we want to be with you. <clears throat> Amen. I had a church member one time who was like some of the codgers and characters in this church, you know, think Ralph and John, that kind of person. <clears throat> called my house one night at 11 o'clock, and I thought, what in the world is Gary calling me at 11 o'clock? He says, listen, I've got you on speakerphone, and I'm having trouble going to sleep. Could you just talk for about five minutes? <laughs> That's the way it goes. At least you leave refreshed. Here now our first scripture lesson of the day from Acts chapter 2, um, verses 22 through 32. 
And this is uh, Simon Peter talking. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, my body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him an oath, on oath, that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 16 on page 748. I invite you to stand as you're able as we share God's word responsively. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Even at night my heart instructs me. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also dwells secure. You show me the path of life. now from Simon Peter is recorded in his first letter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9 praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inherent inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. 
And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here ends the lesson.
we appreciate the many long hours of practice and dedication that uh, beautiful music like that takes for a group to pull together. Thank you so very much. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. <clears throat> oh God, our Father, thank you that you have called us your children. And thank you for the patience and the kindness that you show us every day. For every one of us has had some times of questioning and wondering and doubt, or at least most of us have. And we have been like Jesus' friend Thomas, who said in their hearts, we wish something would happen which could remove all doubts and prove to me that God is there and that Christ is risen. We're thankful to know that when we get to that point of discouragement or doubt, to where we express the feelings of Thomas, we are still in your favor and love and patient guidance. For after you allowed Thomas to struggle for a, a little while, you came to establish him in the faith. And we're thankful that that is your good purpose for lots of us who go through times of wonder and doubt. For we come out on the other side of those times amazed at the new depth of faith that we have. And so we're grateful. We're grateful how you can use even the tough things of life and the questions and doubts of life to strengthen our faith. And like Thomas, <clears throat> we are thankful to be surrounded by friends in the faith who will put up with us in our times of struggles and doubts, who will help us, giving us sage advice and patiently help us work on our faith. And so we give you thanks for the church, that place where we may come filled with faith and hope or emptied of that faith and hope, finding in our friends here the strength that we need to go on and search for more faith. And we're thankful, Lord, that you gave life to those very depressed disciples and sent them out into the world. And today we are those who hear your good word to go forth into the world to offer to all the world your grace, love, and forgiveness. Give us the strength to do that. Give us the courage to do that. Help us to go to those who are feeling distant from you and tell them of your forgiving grace. And help us to go to people who are broken in their friendships and relationships with one another and offer reconciliation through Christ to them as well. These things we pray in the name of Jesus, who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
one is vocally challenging, isn't it? High notes in there. Our scripture lesson for today, our gospel lesson rather, is John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Here ends the lesson. <clears throat> a couple was very excited because the time had come for the birth of their first child, a little girl. But soon after the little girl's birth, the doctor said, I'm not sure how we missed this, but there's a second baby waiting to be born. After the birth of the second child, this time a little boy, the overwhelmed mother passed out. Several hours later when she awakened, a very relieved husband said, I was so worried about you. I couldn't remember any of the names we talked about for the babies, and so I let your brother name them. My brother, exclaimed the new mother, he's a practical joker. There's no telling what he will name the children. Do you know what he named our little girl, she asked. The father said, yes. He calls her Denise. Well, that's not bad, said the relieved mother. Now tell me, what did he name our little boy? The husband dropped his head and said, the nephew. <laughs> very, very old joke. <clears throat> it must be a most unusual and wonderful thing to be a twin. We've got some around this church. Those of us without twins secretly wish that we had a twin because it must be something unique and special to have that kind of relationship. No matter what else you do in the rest of your life, people will always remember that you are a twin. Shortly after I arrived here at Memorial, I went by to meet uh, Francis Tucker who left us this last year and Francis was such a beautiful, delightful person and whenever I would tell folks that I would met her, they would say, well, I guess you know she had a twin brother. Well, I didn't know because he had already passed away. But indeed, it was always remembered that she had a twin. My hat is off to any of you parents who managed two babies at the same time. If either one of ours had been born twins, I'd have had to freeze one for a year and thaw it out a little later. You know, several of Jesus' disciples had nicknames, and I think part of the reason that Jesus did that was to ease some of the confusion 
caused by the fact that there were duplicate names among the twelve. <clears throat> Excuse me. There were several Simons, for instance. And so Jesus called one of them Rock. There were two named James, and so Jesus called one of them a son of thunder because he had a bad temper. There, was, uh, there were at least three of them named Judas, Judas Iscariot being the most famous of these. But another one was named Judas the twin. The Greek word for twin was didymus, and that sort of sounds like ditto, doesn't it? But most of us know him by his uh, Aramaic name, which was Thomas, for that word meant twin. Since this is true, we wonder about his twin, don't we? Was Thomas's twin also a follower of Christ? But there's another possibility that I believe must be true in this man's case. Maybe Thomas didn't have a literal blood brother, twin, but a famous look-alike person. You know, most of us do. Did you know that I was here for almost a year before I realized that there were two different people that I thought was one and the same, one of them being Coach Steve Kinnett and the other one being Principal Marion Waters? I didn't know they were two different people. Now, they don't look that much like, me, uh, like them, each other to me now because Pete and Rosalind have given me new glasses since then, but I used to be real confused. The youth tell me that I have a twin uh, who stars in that Discovery Channel show Mythbusters. I don't see it, but they say I look like one of those guys. But a first century legend indicates that people thought that Thomas and Jesus looked so much alike that they must be twins. In fact, in the region that Thomas went to to be an evangelist, the story was believed that Thomas was Jesus' twin brother. So perhaps Thomas had been so often mistaken for Jesus that that's where his nickname, the twin, came from. Sometimes Thomas is used as a negative role model and in a few ways, maybe he did cross the line. He didn't just want to see Christ like the others had. He didn't want an equal experience. He wanted a much deeper experience. He's the one who said he'd never believe in the resurrection of Jesus unless he took an in-depth examination of Jesus' body. He would insist on actually touching the wounds in Jesus' side, hands and feet. What he meant was he would insist on a thorough examination to make sure that the disciples hadn't seen some ghost or it was just some illusion that somebody cooked up. When it was all over, Jesus did say that Thomas would have received a greater blessing if he could have believed without seeing, but that really doesn't make him a bad person or a negative role model any more than any of the others. Uh, they failed their Lord as well and there really is a great deal about Thomas that we should admire. For one thing, Thomas was a realist. His feet were solidly planted on the ground and he helped keep the others solidly on the ground as well. I'm sure Simon Peter was a lot more fun to be around, unpredictable as he was. If Jesus was seen walking on the water, Peter wouldn't hesitate to hop out of the boat to give it a try himself. Peter was even brash enough to give God advice. Lord, you're not really going to die on the cross. We can't let that happen. But Thomas was down to earth. At the Last Supper, when Jesus was telling the disciples that he was going away and that they knew where he was going and they also knew the way to find him, nobody said anything. Too embarrassed to show ignorance, I guess, but not Thomas. Lord, Thomas said, we have absolutely no idea where you're heading. So how could we then know the way? And when Jesus earlier had wanted to return to Bethany to attend Lazarus's funeral and certainly run the risk once again of being killed by those who had already made one attempt on Jesus's life, it was Thomas who said something to make the others aware 
of how dangerous this journey was going to be. Thomas said, we might as well go prepared to die with him. Thomas was a good balance to that impetuous Simon Peter and the hot-tempered sons of Zebedee. And that's probably why Jesus called him in the first place. The disciples needed Thomas. On the night of the first Easter, Thomas was missing when Jesus appeared to the disciples locked behind doors. Uh, they had locked themselves in so that they could lock the world out. Now, Thomas's absence doesn't necessarily mean that there was anything wrong with his absence. It didn't mean that he had somehow let the others down. In fact, perhaps he was the only one brave enough to venture out to get some food for them. Maybe his absence means that Thomas was not quite as afraid and paranoid as the others. He probably understood that the authorities had captured and killed the one man they were really after, and so the rest of them probably weren't in as much danger as they had feared. But here's the important thing I want you to realize. Jesus knew that Thomas would not be there, and Jesus chose that moment of Thomas's absence to appear to the disciples. The timing of this resurrection appearance was chosen by Jesus. He could have waited a while and Thomas would have returned. And then nobody would have missed out on seeing Jesus. The obvious conclusion to this fact is that Thomas's absence was foreordained by Christ because it served Jesus better than his presence would have. Jesus must have wanted things this way for his good purpose. For a week, both Thomas and the other disciples made one another miserable. The disciples kept telling Thomas, you know, we've seen the Lord. And for a week, Thomas said, no, you didn't. You're crazy. This process, even Thomas's doubts, served the cause of Christ well. The disciples confirmed each other's faith as they talked about what they had witnessed rehearsing arguments and sermons that they would undoubtedly use over and over once they started preaching in public. Jesus came to Thomas a week later and was willing to submit himself to Thomas's rigorous tests so that Thomas would stop doubting and start believing. And when Thomas finally started believing, he really believed. He was the first one to ever address Jesus as my Lord and my God, recognizing Jesus' divinity. We're told that when Jesus appeared to the disciples, he breathed the Holy Spirit upon them. God's spirit or God's breath has always been associated with the giving of life to the lifeless. Here the disciples were hiding with their dead faith and their dead hope. And Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into that room and he thereby raised their dead faith and their dead hope to new life. And then he gave them an assignment to pick up exactly where he had left off. As the Father had sent him, so now Jesus was sending them into the world. And I want you to notice exactly what Jesus was sending them to do. It was to offer forgiveness to everyone. Everywhere there are people who are estranged from God and one another due to their sins. And Jesus sent them and he sends us to facilitate forgiveness and reconciliation in our world. We are to help those who feel cut off from God. We are to help those who feel cut off from one another. That is job one for us. And Jesus completely entrusted this mission into their hands and ours, reminding us that our failure to extend forgiveness to the world will result in people not experiencing God's forgiveness. If we don't do this, if we don't offer forgiveness to people, they won't be forgiven. They won't find forgiveness. Theologian Lewis Smeads once said, When you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free. 
And then you discover that the prisoner was you. We have an awesome job to do, one given to us by our Lord and our God. Thomas got his rebirth a week later than the rest of them, but he was raring to go to work. Early church father Eusebius said that Thomas and Bartholomew were assigned by the church in Jerusalem to take the gospel story beyond the bounds of the Roman Empire. We sometimes forget that there were other empires besides Rome in places like India and Parthia. And this is where Thomas was assigned to take the gospel, according to church tradition. There was a Jewish community in India, in Kerala, India in those days, and it would have been logical that he would begin his work there with people of like faith. It is said that he established seven and a half churches, although I'm not real sure what a half a church is. I told the nine o'clock crowd that I wasn't sure what a half a church was, but I think I'd served one in my lifetime. And someone afterwards came up and said, and they had a half a preacher too. See, I get it everywhere. Seven and a half churches. In a hymn of St. Ephraim written over in India, we hear these words. It was to a land of dark people he was sent to clothe them by baptism in white robes. His grateful dawn dispelled India's painful darkness. It was his mission to espouse India to the only, to the one begotten. By 200 AD, there were Christians in northern India who claimed to have been part of the churches founded by Judas Thomas. By 226, there were bishops, laymen, and clergy all preaching the gospel in India and Afghanistan. There's another tradition that says that Thomas traveled even as far as China to spread the gospel story there. Like I said, once Judas Thomas began to believe, he really believed and gave himself to the service of Jesus. Tradition also informs us that Thomas suffered martyrdom for his faith. Even in those days, there was a rigorous caste system in India, a system Thomas was upsetting and unsettling by, by his preaching to the poor and forgotten. Thomas is said to have died by a spear or lance in 72 AD, giving the last ounce of his life for the Lord that he once doubted, but later embraced as his risen Lord and God. Perhaps today God can give us all the faith of Judas Thomas, Judas the twin, who looked so much like Jesus in his appearance and his actions that he was sometime mistaken to be Jesus. May we all come to so closely resemble our Lord that people think we might embody him in our flesh. Amen.